The views and opinions expressed by the guests on this podcast are that of their own. In no way, shape, or form do they reflect the official policy or position of the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. And now it's time for part two of the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack, episode 14, Questions with Chad. Uh, you just got to let those guys go. Yeah. I don't know. We, we could be looking at one of these guys that might have the same experience. No. I've uh, asked you guys on mute. You guys can no. ask questions and chime in too. I've, so. I've never seen the likes of it since though. That was a... That is just crazy, you know? Yeah. But <laughs> sneak up on him. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Here's a, here, here's a shot for Jesus. Here we go. I will, I'll, I'll, I will, I will name drop, though. I'll, I'll, dime, uh, I'll dime poor Terry out, if anybody knows uh, Terry G. Money. Yeah. Money made G. Terry Geisler. Oh, yeah. He was notorious, notorious Damn for taking a dump in the bell. What? When you, when you, like shitting down the hatch? Yeah, when 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 you're when you're sitting as the bellman and that, and you got to go to the bathroom, you you vent the you know you you, you flood you flood the, the the shaft a little bit so water comes up but doesn't spill out into the bell, and then you take uh, you know you do your business, and then you call for a vent and then you vent that stuff out so it, so it disappears. <laughs> And Terry was notorious, notorious for dumping, and then he wouldn't vent it. So as he, you know, <laughs> that's gross, man. That's how slowly rises inside the inside the bell. He would like, oh, give me a vent, and he would flush it, but he would never get that turd all the way out. And I remember this kid, Aaron. He was, you know, there's a little rim on the on the uh, on, a, on a bottom bell, and. You know, he's getting, he's just taking his gloves off and they were ending their bell run and he went to get up and push himself in the bell. Oh, and he, fuck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Me, like super peanutty. <laughs> oh <my> God, <laughs> snorted. How it, how it stayed, how it stayed thick and dense in the water and not dissipated. It was just like a week of tuna sandwiches. Just stand there. That's a lot and of protein. I just never, I mean, he couldn't wash his hands enough. He was just like, oh, oh, God. oh my God. <laughs> That's foul. That is foul right there. <laughs> what, he just wanted you guys to soak in the essence, I guess. Oh, God. Like, he always thought he got it out. It was just never enough. Like, oh. for like a couple minutes, man. Get that turd out of there. That's oh, a great God. dude. I, I, I work with Terry at a, gosh darn it, I think West Diving or one of the San Diego outfits. Good dude. <clears throat> Real funny. Yeah, he was, a, he was a he was a staple on on every SAT team too. Like Terry was always there on every job. Him and, him and Jimmy. All right. So, so yeah. uh, um, if you guys got any questions, go go ahead and shoot. So, I'm about to graduate from DIT on uh, May sixth. Very baseline. What would some I guess pointers be because I, I heard earlier about listening and paying attention, listening to those experienced guys, but I've thrown out oh. applications, resumes. Um, I just, as soon as I do get on somewhere, what would the best piece of advice you can give me be? You know, I, I guess there's, I guess there's not, there's not one piece and Armando will probably tell you this straight too is if if you can, you know, start at, start at the basics, like have your, have your package together to go to work, you know, have your, have your cert package, uh, totally complete. You don't, there's no holes in your physical, your CPR and first aid, uh, mm. guys coming out of school have, 
have Haswhopper, uh, find out which one it is. Make sure it's the, I think everybody gives 40 hour now. Yeah. For mm-hmm. hazmat. That's, that's it's 40 one. hour, 40 hour Haswhopper. That's what we have at a DIT. Yeah. 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 Get your, get your 40 hour done and then make sure you're either within or up for your eight hour. If there's been a you know, time break between you graduating. Mm-hmm. You know, all the, all the, all the stuff like, have, you know, have transportation. Yes. <laughs> I there. I think I think four guys ago there was a guy that Ubered to the shop to turn in his resume. No shit. And he was oh like, "I'm down here, and I don't want to tell the Uber to go away if I'm in the wrong spot." I was like, "Uber, baller, man." Jesus, that'd be expensive. Rolled up in Uber XL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just have your have your package to go and ready to go out the door. If you have the means, mm-hmm. get your. Get your hat and your bottle. Be be totally independent to travel mm-hmm. and come on a job. If you don't have if you don't have the means to get your hat, make that make that a priority of what you're gonna buy in the next year. Yes. Yeah, I've cash in your Dogecoin come. and Bitcoin and get a hat. <laughs> I've already so uh, I would give all your Pokemon cards, I w- <laughs> shop, get your money. So I'd yeah, super recommend is- too um, getting your own neck dam. Right, because not mm-hmm. everyone's neck is the same. Definitely learned that up here the hard way, being the, the thicker neck fellows. I can't really yeah. fit into those medium or small ones, super comfy. That's definitely one of the first things I'm getting when I'm getting back. I know I'm going to get my boots integrated into my dry suit because it is a pain in the ass to have to don boots after you're done your dry suit. You have mm-hmm. to, you know, all of that is. I don't have my. I don't have my boot. Uh, boots integrated. No, I've just got my regular over overlay zip ups that go over my dry suit. It's just a bear. No, the, the neck dam. Don't the ne- the neck dams come with the hat still, right? Well, it's talking about like company the neck hats. Dams come with the hat still. So like, yeah. So company hats. I don't have my own hat. The only hat we have, uh, well, we have uh, seventeen Bravo, and then we have a uh, a twenty seven, and then a uh, a stainless. Oh, you're uh, saying if you don't have your own hat, then get get at least a neck dam. Yeah, if you don't. At least, at least a neck dam, yeah. If mm. you don't have your own hat, if like I'm like diving company hats, uh, I wish I would have known to have my own neck dam. That's definitely one I, thing. Yeah, I would ask the company too if they have company hats. We we don't have company hats for mostly for liability issue, mm-hmm. and and then kind of completion assert, but uh, and it depends too. Most mostly offshore, there was there was company hats, but. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the inland side is is such it's so travel oriented from one mm-hmm. to next. Like having your having your complete package, and the way you know the difference between standby tendon and, and diver wages is with the unions out here. You might find it you might be hard pressed to find somebody to loan you their hat to take their dive. <laughs> no, it's not loan as rent, and right. I will gladly rent you. For half right. your dive pay. <laughs> oh, you're too glad kind. I'll gladly rent you. Oh, my wow. Hat. Yeah, the same thing with, you know, after, after this, the, all this COVID shit. And, uh, yeah. If you're going to go down that route, <clears throat> I would I would get your own oral nasal. Messing around with company that has their own hats, get your own oral nasal and, and, and nose block. Okay. Yeah. So that, and also, if you've been in the position for hiring before, what are some standout things for guys just coming from school that would that you would look for? Depends where you come from. If you if you come from DIT, who who's who here is at DIT? Uh, Justin, I'm graduated, so I'm 
I mean, unless me and I Wes graduated in January, I would, I would absolutely go. I would absolutely hit up Suave, and I yep. would ask him. He's so. uh, he's actually got me in line with a position that might be opening up soon at Crowley. So, uh, yeah. he's that. Um, I'm working on my Merchant Mariner stuff right now. For it, I've already got my Twic. But what would be standout things that you would look for? Because, like, I think Suave, he has a soft spot for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a soft spot for everybody. <laughs> you ain't special. <laughs> My bad. No, but those are those are two guys that I trust from from DIT that I've worked with in the past and have a yeah. really good bond with and still stay in contact with. And I and I value their opinion. So Suave and Busby are, yep. are two guys at DIT. I'm not that tight with uh, the other folks, but. Yep. Uh, you know, Oxley is actually who put me on to Alpha Diving here in Dutch Harbor. Who was uh, Ox? Oxley. Oxley's Josh not here Oxley. anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're coming, oh. if you're coming straight from school, yes. What you know, the only reference you have for for diving would be mm-hmm. you know an instructor staff, and if you're young, and you're and you're building your resume. Mm-hmm you don't need to tell me what sports you did in high school. I know I'm, 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 I'm 27. <laughs> I've got military experience. I worked oil and gas for four years and then I quit oil and gas to come out here. Yeah. Those are definite pluses, you know, military experience is always a plus and it, mm. and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if you were, you know, a, a bullet sponge or a train killer or, 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 a, or a super welder or whatever, cert they have for the military just the fact that you were in the military and you understand like a regimented schedule and i look for i look for that more than i look for the guy that's the ranger or the seal or or you know even the diver like what you know what did what did you really accomplish and what did you do outside of going to the range in the military you know we can do that on our off time and have fun but you know what what skill set did you really bring from the military that's going to cross over to the civilian sector? Did you, you know, were you a, were you a massive person with inventory? You know, that's always, that's always a plus for me when guys talk about their people kind of poo poo the, <clears throat> the military. And I think it's a definite plus. If you have, if you have management organizational organizational skills, or you were just a leader of men, you know, yeah. that, that's, that's a plus from your, your military side. Did you get out with an honorable discharge? You know, is there, I, I don't, I don't discount anybody that didn't, but <laughs> do you have drama? You know, do you yeah. have baggage behind you? You know, can you get, can you get a DOT physical and then be a certified driver of vehicles at the company? You know, are you a, are you a bad luck guy with a Dewey or do you have six Deweys? You know, it's, it's, it's transparent questions that are either not supposed to be asked or, or they're, they're, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just locker room talk when it comes down to it really like yeah. what type of guy are you to work with the other guys that i work with and how are you going to fit in you know are you a lot of guys come in and tell me <laughs> i swear to god a lot of guys come in and tell me about how they want to open up their own business or they just can't stand working for a boss and that's why they love diving because they can they can do this job by themselves and i'm like all right hire them get them Come on down. It's still a team. It's That's a, my guy. It's a team effort. You know, it takes it takes this team to accomplish it. And mm-hmm. you know how 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 do you mesh with those guys? Do you jump in and and 
You know, do you, do you bring it when it comes time to work? You know, are you ready to work? You know, are, are, oh, yeah. you, are you constantly hamstrung with shit going on at home or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, do you have, do you have all, do you have all this stuff that prevents you from giving a hundred percent at work? Cause that's what I expect. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I don't ride anybody and I don't yell at anybody. And I, and I don't, you know, the, the idea of a tyrant boss is it doesn't, it doesn't work for production, money, and safety. Like there's no reason to be a cocksucker at all. Like why, why waste time on it? What I need you to do is work. I need to, I need to give you a task and then I need you for you to accomplish it or get as close to possibly as you can to finish that and then go, Hey man, I need some help. Mm-hmm. The big thing too is like, Hey, can you do this? Oh yeah, sure. Can you go over there and weld this together? Yep. Yep. I welded at school. You know, and it looked <laughs> like, why didn't you just tell me you couldn't weld? Don't tell me, I want to hear. Right. tell me what you really can do. You know, oh, I, you know, guys tell, can you drive the forklift? Yeah. Can you drive the excavator? Oh yeah. It's just like the forklift. Mm-hmm. Really? No, not at all. Are you talking like a telehandler or a forklift? <laughs> talking about anything that's got buttons. I mean, that's kind of what Chad's getting at. You got to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be honest can with you drive the zoom boom around. I guarantee another thing too, is if, if you're say, say you're like, you're getting into the industry, not super late, just after some other type of trade or maybe another chapter in your life or career. And you're right mm-hmm. around that kind of 28 to 30 years old. And all of a sudden you went through dive school and then you come to me and you're like, look, man, I'm not a kid. Like I've worked before. I was good at it. I transitioned to diving. Here's my resume. And it's just filled with all this stuff that you know how to do. And I'm like, can you really know how to do all of that in such a short amount of time? Like, are you really good at any of the stuff or did you do it once and you decided to put it on your resume? That's fine. You know, if you want to bullet out the stuff that you have done, mm-hmm. but are you proficient at it? Guys will be, oh, I, I, you know, I'm a burner. I burned. So I'm a burner. Well, not really. I mean, you burned rod once, but can you burn? You know, what kind of burner can you do? Does it have to be, does it have to be clean steel and, and perfect biz? Or, you know, can you burn underwater and zero biz? Do I even need that right now? You know, can you, did you get a weld cert at a school? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm a certified welder. No, but I mean, can you weld? I got 10 guys that are certified welders, can't weld for shit. <laughs> they could make two pieces of steel stick when nobody has to inspect it. And then they make their dinosaur contraption that goes on this one job for a second that I need. But are they welders? Are you an electrician? Are you a carpenter? You know, diving is, it's, it, there, have you ever heard this? I'm sure you have. There's, there's like this worn out analogy that's like, Diving is only the route to the work. The vehicle to the actual trade. It's like you have to have maybe a separate trade. It's it's corny, but it's super true. Like to get you from point A to point B, you have to be a diver. But to get through the steel, now you have to be some sort of a welder burner to accomplish what I need you to do with the steel. Or maybe you have to survey. Maybe it's a maybe it's five days of surveying and measurements. You know, can you, can you read a fucking tape measure or are you going to tell me, yeah, it's one foot, three inches and three ticks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's stuff like that, that, I mean, that you can, you know, when you're, when you're 18 to 21 and you're coming out of school, I, I don't really expect a whole lot of stuff to be there on your resume. 
if you if you happen to have, you know, you're 21 years old, you graduated high school three years ago, or you're 18, that means you're just out of high school. That means five years ago, you might have been getting picked on and playing with dolls, or you might have been in band, or or you were the smartest guy in the class, or whatever it was. It had nothing to do with the underwater construction trade, you know. But if you come in and you're like, guess what? I'm a graduate of dive school and I have a card. I have all my certs. I have all my gear and I could be a body on this project. I'm not going to get hurt. And I'm going to pay attention to my lead guys and I can lift whatever you want me to lift and I can tend and I'm not going to fuck up. I'm, I'm not going to be late. Like I have a, I have a minimal fucking skill set. Can you use me? Absolutely. Why not? I need guys like that. And I also need super experienced guys. But while that one super experienced guy's in the water, what are all these other super experienced guys doing? Nothing. They're tending hose or they're prepping tools or they're doing whatever that doesn't have to do anything with what's going on in the water. That's when I'll throw you on the job. You know, get in there and take your baby steps up to the next position. Not everybody has to go on a job site and be Superman and then retire after a week. It's okay to like go on 10 different jobs and learn 10 different things and then go, hey man, I've been here for four months. Now that weird nozzle and gas thing that's in the corner of the shop that makes steel into two pieces. I can use that thing. O2 acetylene torch. It works great. I'm <laughs> awesome at it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's and I, and I joke, but this is all stuff that's happened. <laughs> I once had a kid call the uh, spud wrench, a spiky wrench. Hey, you got that spiky wrench. I need, I need it to, to turn something. I'm like, holy spiky. crap. Yeah. It's spiky. <laughs> That's what uh, Tony Espinoza, the Puma, told me. He's like, I gave uh, yeah, yeah, I know you did. Yeah, for those who yeah. don't know, Puma stands for possibly the ugliest man alive. <laughs> <laughs> because he qualifies. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, I, I tell you what, though, I got to have him on because he's all super jujitsu guy now. Have you seen oh, yeah. some of his stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like, he told you, Mondo. It's a great feeling to be able to walk into a room and be able to choke somebody out. <laughs> like, I could imagine. Oh man, one of the one of the like nicest guys in the world. Oh yeah. I mean, just a just a very like solid, heartfelt individual. The guy is. I mean, the guy's aces. He's super mm-hmm. cool. No, it's, like I said, I, I I love working with him, and I'm proud to call him one of my friends. So. <clears throat> um. So actually, uh, I'm in a brand new class of DIT here. Just started like two weeks ago. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's been very interesting. I actually moved all the way from Florida to Seattle to pursue this. It's, it was a hell of a ride. Um, so one of the things that I learned is that networking is super important in the industry. As a baby diver, what like right now as a student, what can I do to start filling out my codex of contacts, people I can call, numbers I can have, people I should know? Like, what would you recommend would be a solid tactic for networking in this industry? Use the people, use the people that you paid money to. There's, it's, it's, no, it's no secret that dive school is, is no joke when it comes to cost. You know, every, everybody, you know, unless you went through in the military on a grant system or whatever the case may be, it still costs money. I, I was lucky enough not to have to pay with it with money. I just paid with it with time, but it still costs somebody money. And when you go to dive school now at DIT or Florida or that weird school in Minnesota or Jersey or, you know, it's, what is it now? 30 grand, you know, to go through dive school. And that's, that's your base, 
you know, dive school between 25 and 30 grand, use that school for the money that you give them. That's, it's one of the, it's one of the differences between being in school and diving and being in the industry and diving. You're paying them to let you dive. When you get out, you want to, you want the company to pay you to dive. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of why your, why your logbook should be filled up with dives from school, but it doesn't really qualify as what you've done in the industry. It just either means that you can put on a hat and blow bubbles and you're not going to kill yourself or somebody else in the water, but absolutely use the school for what they're worth. Make them network for you and then Google it, man. Get on Google and Google dive companies for whatever region you're in and call them. Call them now. Call them when you're in school. Be like, hey, man, I'm a month into school. I'm crushing this place. And I need I need the ops manager's number. I need the admin lady's number. I need to know what wine she drinks and what flowers she gets. You know, I, just be personable over the phone and, and get people to remember you. But let the school take its course, too. I mean, get, you know, become a diver before you start looking at uh, finalizing your dive companies that you're going to work for, but use the school for what it's worth. You know, if they have a rigging class and they're like, Hey, today we're going to talk about a shackle, a pin screws into it. Okay. Can we get a little bit more in depth besides the fucking shackle? You know, can you tell me how we rig up different ideas? Like be proactive inside the class, you know, ask questions out of these. I mean, I'm not limiting it just to DIT because I know those guys there, but if you brace Suave and Busby with questions and be like, Hey man, I don't want to be oh, a, yeah. a total about this. Let's, you know, let's talk about this, man. Let's, let's talk about these different rigging techniques. Let's talk about EPs. What do I do if I, what do I do if this happens? You know, what, what, do I, what's, you know, what's the, what's the biggest thing that, that, that happens to a diver in the water that creates the worst scenario, you yeah. know? They're very open for, and they encourage, they very highly encourage us to ask questions, pick their brains. And, uh, you know, they almost, they almost get annoyed if we don't, because they see a bunch of just blank faces, you know, nodding your head and not, you know, I understand, but do you actually understand? So yeah, that, that makes total sense right there. It's your money too. I mean, Absolutely. Use, use your money for what it's worth. They, they get paid to teach you what's supposed to be, you know, the, the basics of, of being a diver, being a tender, you know, being an operator in this industry, like mm -hmm. use that for what it's worth. It, gotcha. So ask questions, reach out, you know, do your homework on companies and whatnot, like just absorb as much possible information as you can and, you know, have a silver tongue at doing it. Right. <laughs> my, my, my name, email and cell number is on global's website. Like, anybody can call me at any time. I got the phone on the hip all the time. I have to have it, but I encourage people to call whenever they want. Just, well, not Monday between like eight and 10, because I'm usually getting my ass chewed by corporate. <laughs> Aside from those times, call me. So yeah. 9 p.m. on a Sunday is an adequate time? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you may get a different answer than like 10 a.m. on Thursday, <laughs> but right. I will... But that's that's also something too is that what's a good time to call because there's certain times you know that you're going to catch someone at their busiest right yeah yeah i always i always tell everybody that if you're if you're not if you're not on the dive lineup say you're graduated right and you're out in the field and you're looking for work and you're not on my ops manager's lineup whether it's core group first string second string last fucking phone call to make Whatever, whatever, whatever category you fill, if you're not on there, 
every single week. You need to be calling that ops manager or sending him an email and every month updating your resume with him on stuff you've done. Pick a time with him to come in and see him. But I mean, a phone call takes five minutes and either he remembers you or or he forgets you. But I guarantee after the sixth time that you've called him for six weeks and mentioned your name and been polite and asked for work, he's going to remember you. But don't come in usually without an appointment. There used to be kind of an ongoing battle between labor and management was that what do they do? You know, I'm, I'm out here. I'm out here diving. I'm out here souping. I'm out here on deck. I'm breaking my back so the so the company can earn money. What do you guys do? You know what what why what do you what do you do at lunchtime? You know why are, why are, why are, why did the office people get paid this amount of money? What what appears to be nothing at all. Explore that. You know, explore your your ops manager's calendar. Say, hey, I would like to set up. Tw- you know, I'm, I've been calling you for like two minutes at a time. It's been like three weeks. Do you have 20 minutes within your calendar where we can talk? Like, can you, can you avail that time for me? When's a good time for me to come down? You know, here's, here's these references again. These are solid references. It's not guys that I just threw in at the bottom. You know, these are guys that, that will vouch for whatever level of work that I really do. You know, here's my, I'm 30 years old. Here's my old uh, roofing uh, construction foreman. You know, this is the amount of work and the amount of money that we did at that business. That's, you know, that's another thing with your resumes. If you're putting, if you're putting previous info on there from, from different trades, don't just say I was a forklift operator. Mm-hmm. And then that, that's going to make me think, oh, this guy knows how to drive forklifts. Sweet. I've been looking for a guy that drives forklifts or you were at a roofing, co- like I was a roofer for three years. Well, fucking roof at the shop is fine. I don't, necessarily need a roofer but if you describe the company that you work for the amount of the amount of projects that you were on with them maybe maybe a maybe a broad spectrum of of the different types of work that they did revenue wise you know i was on a i was on a project and i was a roofer and we built a lowe's single source company built a lowe's i was on that project the entire time and then i moved up from from sweeper to foreman on that job like that was a pivotal that was a pivotal project with that company and that job at that time. All this other stuff, yeah, I can do concrete, I can lay asphalt, I can I can do a little electricity, but this job really defined the moment of where I grasped my trade. You know, examples like that can can I I think set, they set people aside for me. Awesome. That's a, very good to know. Yeah, do you want my resume? No, I you can explain it for me because they all look the same. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, tell me something about, about this guy. Cause I know him, this reference. I know this guy. Can I call him right now with you in here? Now I, I had moved from uh, Florida to California. I was living uh, out in Florida for like, you know, six years or so. That's where I started diving, moved to California. Um, that was the first piece of advice I got was that they don't know you. So you have to help them to know you which means show up at their shop like every week, maybe every day even. And uh, that way they get to know you, you know, ask for work that way. And it also shows that you're ready to work. You got your, your stuff together and you're ready to get called out. You know, that's how I got my first job. I would show up at the carpenters union and then they would, you know, tell me kind of where to go. And then I would show up at, you know, the other dive companies and just show up like every other day, 
you know, at their yard, say, hey, you know, how's it going? And just reintroduce yourself. And then and, and that worked for me. You know, um, I'm not sure if times have changed or anything like that. But like I said, you know, you, you got to put yourself out there. Gotcha. Did I you get you didn't get certified at CDA, did you? No, no, I, okay. I, I was at a Florida school for commercial diving. It's a school that does not exist anymore. So there gotcha. is hope for people that did go to Cracker Jack dive schools. <laughs> a lot of the experience you're going to get is going to be on the job. And, you know, I was fortunate that I did have a construction background and I joined the pile drivers right off the bat. And uh, I did pile driving jobs. And then that's how I got to know some of the other divers. And uh, I was able to kind of work myself work myself into some better companies like Global Diving. Thank you. Thank you. And Armando was an asset for us, too. That's not smoke or bullshit. Armando was a, it was an excellent hand. Fade in and out with, with how much work a region or an area has at the time. But I was, when I was getting ready for this thing, I, I plugged into some of those emails that you know, we had talked back and forth with. You know, it's, yeah, thanks, man. It's no wonder you're you're doing this now, Armando. You know, you're you're leading this forum for guys coming up in the industry and branching out within the diving industry and bringing new, like a, it's almost like a Rogan esque, you know, quality to the to the podcast. I think, good. I think it's good for the, I think it's good for the, especially for the young divers. But I think it's good to, to the older jaded guys engaged. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And, you know, what started as a hobby is now kind of taken off a little bit. So I really hope that you guys that are here live today kind of uh, kind of listen to some of the older guys, you know, because they know what they're talking about. I know there's been times where I've butted heads with some of these old guys on the job site. But, uh, you know, you, you got to bite your tongue sometimes and just, you know, kind of take it and just kind of see where they're going with it. And there's always a rhyme to the reason, you know. And if there isn't, then that's where you got to speak up and be like, dude, this is totally unsafe. <laughs> that's a good point. I'm not doing it. Yeah. There's, especially with, with like PMs and, and supervisors on maybe a, maybe a bigger scale uh, construction project where there's a, where there's a massive underwater and topside element to the project. And that's, and that single source, you know, diving guy PM from the dive company, he's in charge of it all. He may have, you know, he may have a, this this thirty thousand foot overview of the project, and for this one instant instance, you're a cog in that wheel. And what I need you to do is this right now. I under, I know you don't understand. I know you don't get it. I don't have time to go into it. But what I need right now is that to be accomplished because that one cog in this wheel is fucking everything up. I got to get this wheel turning again. You're the guy to go do that. Well, I got to but I whatever. Go do it, please. Go do that, and then we'll talk about it in a sec. It, it's good. It's safe. You're fine. Feel free. Make it your own, but go do it. Go do that right now. Sometimes that's the approach. Not always, but but sometimes that's like a very specific specific marching order. And you're like, well, I got okay. I guess I'll go do this. But there, but there is a, a bigger thirty thousand foot overview. The other end of that, the other end of that spectrum, and the kind of the the, the the flip side of that coin is exactly what Armando said. Sometimes you don't have such a good, you know, leadership top tier to the project. And there's this, I, I, I fucking told you, just go do it. And you're like, yeah, I, I'd rather not 
lose my hand by going to do that. I can get that done for you. Let's step back for a second. I can get that done for you. How you want me to do it that you keep breathing down my neck for, it's not safe for me and the team. All right. Let me, let me, let me propose this idea. Like let's, we're, we're all heated. Let's come down for a second. And, and I have a, I have a, I have a little bit better way to do this where we all stay safe. Nobody gets fired. Nobody gets sued. How about we talk about it from that angle for just a little bit. That's, that's something that's well within your right to do at any fucking second on the job. You know? Yeah. So being the new guy and then just having that one soup, that's just driving you absolutely up the wall and you're doing your best, you know, like, mitigate everything and just be like i get that i'm the new guy but you know and without saying like oh well i just got done learning this in school sir and just being like that just doesn't seem that seems sketchy like how can we go back and rework this that that, that doesn't seem to piss everyone else off or no i think i think delivery has a lot to do with it too and and, and understanding your your role in the assignment you know there's there's Everybody, every you know, for the most part, this is a it's a it's a it's an adult male-driven industry. Sure. You know, we we embrace everything that comes into to this diversity of of projects and companies. I I welcome it maybe a lot more than than some other people, but for the percentage and the statistics, this is an extremely alpha male-driven industry. Yeah, absolutely. Try and navigate that type of compromise and that type of debate on a regular basis is time consuming and it doesn't add up to safety and money. You know, there's nothing, it's it's worn out and it's kind of hokey now, but the idea that safety is all important is the bottom line. Like you cannot, a company cannot afford for multiple incidents. You know, they can't afford these specific acronyms that go with ratings and that go to OSHA, whether it's Fed or Cal, that go to the EPA. The company cannot afford that because now they can't collect project based on a certain score. So now safety is the all-encompassing, all-being bottom line. Like, it has to be safe. Well, I can get in there and I can do that. Yeah, I get it. I, pro- I get you. I've done it a thousand times that way. Guess what? These guys say that that way is not safe. We need to brainstorm. We need to come up and accomplish the same thing, but we need to put all these safety mitigations into it. So no one's trying to like just halt the project and just say like, I just want to make sure that we lose as much money as we can. And we look like a bunch of ass bags. Everyone's like, why don't we just do this the right way? I, yes and no. Yes and no. I, I mean, I see where you're coming from, but never, never is there, is there an adequate term or, or, or a complete spectrum or a time where you halt a project like the project doesn't stop even when you're shut down for safety mm-hmm. project's not stopped like work is not over like now we're into safety mode or now we're into incident mode or now we're into brainstorming mode the project can never stop right. you know we always have to be moving the ball forward and whether that's whether that's slowing it down because of safety or it's or it's rerouting away from production. Any one of these things is still progress towards the end game, which is completion of the project. Yeah, so, exactly. That's that team mentality, I presume. Well, yeah, and it's a it's a you know it's it's a governing body mentality too. You got to you got to understand what you're you know all, all this stuff is 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 going into the weeds, but it's you know there's there's permitting issues, there's compliance issues, whether it's from your company or whether it's whether it's from a state or, or city authority. Sure. All these things add up to to what you have to adhere to to get the project done. You know, yeah, we we can we can we can throw this guy in the water, 
and we can blast him down there and he can burn this thing and get out of the way before the whole thing crumbles and he'll come up and he'll be a superstar like Matthew McConaughey standing on that fucking coffin or whatever it was that movie. Right. And that's, yeah, that is one way to do it. You're, you're right. But is it the smartest and safest way where nobody gets killed, nobody gets hurt, nobody gets sued, and we still make a dime? No, probably not. Right. That's, that's that bigger picture of, you know, sometimes between labor and management where you have to, where you have to take over this overview of the project and go, all right, everybody stop. We're going to regroup, tell the engineers to take a break from the calculator. We need to all walk onto the site and we need to look at this ingress right now. We're going down the ladder. And every time we're going down the ladder, we step into a pile of rebar. Somebody's going to get poked. All right. What are we going to do now? Let's, let's, let's redo this format for getting these guys in and out of the water. Cause fucking around getting in and out of the water every 10 minutes is screwing us over on the, on the, on the, on the end game of this thing for timeline. I, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers. I'm going to lose two days, just figuring out how to get in and out of the water every day. Let's fix that now. Yeah. Let's take 10 minutes and fix that now. That's stuff that is, it should be welcomed by every, every single person on the job, no matter if it's their first day or their, or their, their hundredth day. Yeah. But sometimes nobody says anything and it takes that one guy to be the hero and be like, Dude, I'm tired of freaking almost popping my wetsuit every time. We got to get this fixed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No pods. You know, guys are burning on something and they're all popping. They're all popping. They're all. Everybody's got a busted knuckle. Like, hey, man, we keep trying to burn on this thing in the same spot. Everybody, we're gonna blow out. A, we're gonna blow out a face shield. We're gonna bust up the regulator. Something big is gonna happen. It's happened to five guys. We're gonna keep doing this all day. No, come on, let's figure it out. What are we talking about, boy? So it really does pay to be that. You know. Uh, I forgot where the saying comes from, but you know, uh, the general is a general, but the soldier of the soldier is the eyes on the ground. And, uh, you know, if your ops manager is like, why is this job taking so long? It helps to voice, like tell the guy, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what we're encountering underwater. Let's plan for this accordingly. It's another, you know, it's another, it's another rung on the ladder of how, you know, you, you have this over-exaggerated effort of how communications are supposed to work in the field. You know, divers talking to the soup, soup's talking to the divers, soup's talking to the guys on deck. Everybody's in a rhythm and doing their thing. We got everything done for the day. And then the guy in the office is like, what? Nobody calls me. Nobody gives me updates. Nobody sends out an end-of-day report. What's what did we make money today? Are we a day behind? You know, are we are is the is the client pissed and I don't know about it? Yeah, it's it's comps throughout the ranks. There's there's an endless supply. We, you know, the the this I tell you the the secret to our the company I work at and our our particular region, the secret to our somewhat success is that on paper we have a chain of command and a totem pole of management. You know, somebody's accountable to somebody else on paper. You know, I'm accountable to corporate. But what I really have is lateral positions of management because what we really are is accountable to each other. I don't hold myself any higher than my secretary or my admin manager or my ops manager. We're all on the same level of management. Because we can't, we can't do this game of who's got the bigger dick in the room and constantly and constantly make make progress. Like we have to be talking to each other at even at the office and management level. We all come to the table in the morning. We all or Monday mornings. We all have something to produce to the meetings. 
it should be the same way in the labor field. And for me, it always was. You know, the supervisor, he's supposed to help control the flow of the project, but he's not dictating the success of the job. The guy in the water on his performance does, or the guy on deck that's prepping the site for that guy in the water. Like everybody really is a lateral position. It just depends who's accountable to the astual or who has to, or who has to be the liaison to the client or the company man or whatever. But this team effort of everybody on the ground is essential. You know, you have to talk to your soup. Your soup has to talk to you. You have to prep yourself before your dive. That's a huge one. Like, oh, I'm diving in 10 minutes. I'll be there in nine. You know, <laughs> how about you line your ropes out? How about you line your shackles out for your rigging? Like lay your bullshit tools that only you can touch. Get all that stuff ready. You know, figure out, you know, it, if you're going to go burning, the burning gear's up on deck. Okay, let me prep my burning gear. Let me tie back my broad pouch where I like it. I'm going to put my hammer over here where I like it. I'm going to put 20 foot of rope behind my hose. I'm going to tape it up just like I like it. Like, you know, plan your dive. Dive your plan. All Absolutely. that stuff. Communicate with your soups. Communicate with your team. It it, it 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 turns into like a clockwork until you have your like your rhythm of how you like to dive. Eventually, you get into this pattern of how you like to get into the water every day. You're talking to your, you know, you guys, all the guys on the team are divers and they're rotating into the dive position all day long. So nobody's really a tender. They just happen to be a tender when you're diving. So as you roll into that position, it's okay to be like, yeah, you know, I like my bottle held like this. I'm going to put my arm through and put the other thing on. Not left like, glove first. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> got to have, got to have the left first. I got to have, you know, if you've ever met this guy Sterling, he had all these contraptions that he had to put on. You know, he would, I mean, he would prep all this stuff. It took him like an enormous amount of time to prep. (laughs) He would have these like elbow, elbow sleeves that he cut from other wetsuits and those would go on and his caps had like a special belt. And then he had a harness and then he had a shackle in one place and the other. And he had like a tool tree that he would send down beforehand. And then his, his, you know, his, his burning gear would have to be like circled up at the end and like shackled in with his own little button. And it was, it was just like, and you, we called him Lord Sterling after a while. Cause he was like, the, the world to the diving. but he's amazing. Amazing in the water. The guy's a complete pain in the ass. You know, fun guy to drink with, but on the site, he's very like anal and ridiculous. Not in, like a good way, but he gets in the water and fucking magic. He's, fucking amazing. he's a go-to guy in the water. He makes shit happens, and he's like, "You're like, oh, do you need the ascender? Nope, I got it here on my tool tree." You know, he's he's that that's how he likes his shit, but it works for him. And then you'll find out what works for you. Yeah. How was that again? The tool tree? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he like made this rebar tree, you know, with a hook on it and an eye that he and it was all like balanced out. And he put like extra spider codes. He would put his ascender like. Uh, you know, different size shackle breakers as if one piece of steel that <laughs> not quite enough. You know? <laughs> Just everything. And he would send that down beforehand and the tenders would be like, God, I hope he's not rigging today. That tool tree is going to weigh like 100 pounds. It's going to weigh more. <laughs> than and then he'd be done with his dive and everybody's like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Except for the tender that's like, fucking hell. I got to pull all shit up. Way to go, Sterling. Great guy. <laughs> right. yeah. But he was, but he's, I mean, he's one of the, it's, it's hard to say, 
early on when I knew him, but now that I, you know, we're, we're friends and I tolerate his isms is he's, he's one of the best divers I've ever seen, you know, Gil's, but, and then you have, if you're ever, I don't, before he either dies or retires, if you ever get a chance to meet Dave Gill on the West coast, he's, he's this amazing individual. He's one of the very few guys that's worked all over the world and everybody likes him. Dude, like, seriously. It's, it's hard to find. There's always one guy that hates you. Either it's an old soup or an old diver or something. Like, there's always like one guy that's like, God, Chad was such an asshole. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Everybody loves me, man. I'm the Chad. Yeah. Dave is that guy. There's not a guy in the industry that doesn't just think Dave is the most amazing guy on the planet. But it, what it really was is he was a nice guy, a little bit nicer than everybody else, really, really, really friendly with everybody, like super cordial, but he was amazing in the water. I mean, he was just, he just made anything happen in the water and he was constantly like this breath of fresh air when everything was going bad on a job and everybody's trying their best, but we just can't get this thing done. And then Dave would get in there and be like, I don't know what the big deal is. It's no big deal. I got it, fellas. I know it was hard at first, but I'll do it. It's fine. You know, just, you know, very, very likable, but it was because he was so great. The other end of that is that he didn't need anything to get in the water. Like, you know, Sterling needed all this other stuff that made him feel comfy, whether he used it or not. Like that was his rhythm. You know, Dave was like, Oh, my hat's on backwards. I won't put that on forward. And then he would jump in and just make this amazing stuff happen. <laughs> you know, yeah, so that's, you, a, that's the guy you want on the job though. The guy that, you know, kind of just easy going with everybody. There's something to be said too, about being a nice guy in the trade. Yeah, I agree. You know, if, if, if you can, you know, there's, it's close quarters, man. No matter what job you're on, you're either driving up there in trucks or you're going on a crew boat or, you know, you're on the site in a trailer or you're on a barge where you can't go anywhere or you're in a sat system. Like it's close quarters, no matter, no matter how you look at it. And you have to be able to, you have to be able to get along with everybody in, in a more than professional manner. You know, you guys rib each other and, and they, and they talk shit and, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of shenanigans that go on, but it's, 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 it's for production of work because the, nobody wants to be the shit back because that guy is, he is absolutely identifiable. Negative attitude all the damn time. You know, nobody wants to be around someone that's always negative or talking crap about somebody else. Nobody wants to be around that guy. Yeah. Don't be that guy. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a small area too. And this is a, I, this is a complete, you know, this is complete truth to, to this kind of like one to three year time frame that I've seen. I've seen it at every company and I've seen it with a couple of guys at this company. They, they come into this industry and they're really like, they're really pumped. They're over, like overexcited about being a diver and like making this their lifestyle and like, they're going to go, go, go. But they have all this weird drama attached to them. Like, you know, young guys, if they're, you know, if they're single and they're man whores, they come in every Monday and they're like, you'll never believe all the ass I slayed this weekend. It's like, all right, I'm, you know, we've talked about that for five minutes, kind of over it, you know, you know, they, or, or they're, or they're, or they, or they'll give you the shirt off your, their back, but they'll kind of fuck you over the next day with work. Like they're just not, they, they don't add up to the talk that they give. Yeah. And, their heart's in the right place, 
but they just they just pigeonhole themselves into this kind of shitbag box. They're not really bad workers, and they're not, they don't have really bad hearts. They just can't get their shit together. Yeah. And this kind of goes on for like a couple years, three years, when they hang out at the same company, and they're getting better as divers, and they're getting more proficient, but they're always screwing up, or they yeah. always have drama attached to them. And then you get to year five. And you're this, you're this decent diver. Maybe you're really good, but everybody remembers you from that time frame. And it and it and it drags on. It becomes it becomes how you're identified. Whenever I see that happening to a guy, or I or I or I encounter it, especially now at, at, at management, I tell him, I'm like, just leave, man. Go go to a different company and start fresh where people don't know you because now you're a good diver. Now at least you're proficient in the water, and that's not a hang-up for you. Ditch your attitude. I'll give you a reference. I know what you need is a change of scenery because you're not going to get a fair shake here anymore. No matter how great you become in the water, you always have this drama. You always have this hiccup. You're always late three days of the week. Like, it's really great that you bust ass on, but, but they always have to knock on your hotel room to get you out onto the, onto the safety meeting. Like, There's always this thing that's just like, God, he's such a shitbag. Why is he here? And it, and so and a lot of times the guy is not a bad diver. He's not that he's not that bad of a hand. He just has all these other all these other meteors coming at him that are filled with and when you know you I hope nobody I hope nobody finds himself in that position, but if you do, leave the company that you're at and go to a new one and start fresh. Get a new piece of scenery and 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 change that characteristic that you have and 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 pour it into being this like this professional hand it's it's you know nobody's none of this is a death sentence when you screw up no but your name means something though in the business and 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 you're gonna hear it every every time small community your name is everything and you don't want to screw your name up so that's really good advice chad you know absolutely and i and and the re and and that's a very good point because i think it's instrumental in that one to five year one to three year timeline like you don't want to be in this industry for 15 years and you're constantly carrying that bullshit baggage from year one and two. You know, you ever been in a long marriage where your wife was pissed off at you the first couple of years and you can never get over it even after your 20th anniversary? Yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> that sounds a little personal there. Hey, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, this has been a this has been a wreath of knowledge for me, but I two hour dive today with Cabot Blast nice, and man. I'm exhausted. So <laughs> that's we'll good, go dude. Keep keep cava blasting, you know, and protect oh, those God. hands. It's protect those hands. It's super, it's super cool for like five seconds, and then you yeah. realize you have to do two more hours of this through all of these coolers and the Z drive, and then you got to do a hull inspection. And you're not getting that's enough pressure from now, the right? potable source. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Except now ours took a shit on us, so. Yeah, right we're not on. getting the pressure, so I'm only getting like 1,300 at the gun. Yeah, that's happened it to sucks. us today. Yep. Yeah, new technology. That man, that's that's damn. Anybody who's cavi blasted opposed to uh, grit blasted, cavi is where it's at. Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does anyone have a uh, one last question before we kind of uh, log off here? 
Yeah, I've got, uh, so the, the, the one thing that's definitely stuck to me, and this has all just been an unbelievable wealth of knowledge. I mean, this is fantastic. But coming from a guy that's got a general laborer type background, so nothing specific between, you know, carpentry or, you know, working with masons, it works with all those folks, but I don't have any definitive, you know, like thrown on the resume type thing. Um, what, what are some things that you can do while it is that you're in school to start developing a couple of those things? You know, like what, what are assets? <laughs> get buff. Get buff. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag get small. <laughs> right, right. Steroids. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, your beard is perfectly trimmed. That's a plus. <laughs> No, actually, I totally botched the right side of it. I appreciate the compliment, but I, I killed it. <laughs> oh, hey, if he says something, take it, dude. Don't point out your faults. <laughs> Just take the compliment, Thanks, Chad. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> but actually, I was going to ask a very similar question to what Wes pointed out. Um, what's one of the best ways that you can diversify your skill set? So one of the things that was mentioned to me when I was going through my initial orientation or tour of DIT, um, I was very fortunate. They actually forgot that I had a interview that or a, a tour that day. <laughs> and so um, when I went in, I ended up having a tour one-on-one -on -one with like the head of uh, uh, Daniel, is it, is it uh, Mathis? I forget his last name. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Mathis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great guy. Great dude. Um, he, yeah. he gave me like a one-on-one -on -one tour. So I got to like do Matt chat with him all day. It was really, really informative. One of the things that he mentioned is that it is very easy in this industry to get pigeonholed into one particular skill set. Like if you are, you know, DMT certified, you're a damn good burner, you're a good welder, you can do all the other stuff underwater, but you're a crane operator and they don't have a crane operator on the rig or whatever, you're probably going to be putting the crane. Well, screw that. I went through $40,000 worth of training to be a diver. I don't want to be a crane operator. I want to be in the water. I'll, so what I'll take this is question, Chad. What is one of the best techniques for avoiding that, like, not getting, like, being put in a job where you're not in the water? Go somewhere else. Oh. There you go. Getting pigeonholed. They're giving you NDT jobs every time. Sorry, man. I got to spread my wings. I'm going to go work for uh, this other, you know, company out here. That's that's my advice. You can chime in too, Chad, if you want. I, I, I would absolutely agree. It's, you know... If, if you end up on, uh, maybe you end up on the East Coast and you're constantly the nuke diver, you know, you have a, you have a, you have an uncheckered past and they're like, yeah, this guy passes all the background checks. He never gets DUIs. He's always on the straight and narrow. That's what I need for clearance for the nuke plant. So now we're, this guy becomes the nuke diver and you're like, well, that's horrible. I want to do diving for the rest of my life. Yeah. You leave. It's, it's, it's a balance that you have to, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to, you have to judge that in your own chapter of life too. Like, is it, is it a bad thing being pigeonholed in the first two years of my career where I'm consistently making money and I'm diving all the time, or is it year 10 and I'm still doing the same shit? Yeah. Civil service guys at shipyards, some of them love ships hundredly and they do it till they're 60. They, <clears> they work the same base. They put the same patches on the same ships, but it's longevity of a career and they can count and budget their money. It's, it all kind of depends on the, on the individual person. But if you want to diversify your skill set, you also have to master a skill set to be able to diversify. 
Like if you want to be a top-notch burner, you got to be on enough burning projects where you become top-notch. If you're on three burning projects and you're like, ah, I'm burnt out on burning, maybe you're not really totally a, a master tradesman at burning, but you've done enough with it to maybe get bored with it and go, you know what? That's not really the type of dive in that wants to keep me in an industry. I need to, I need to branch out a little bit. And then you look for these new opportunities and companies that have different projects. Maybe offshore is not your thing. It's not for everybody. And it's not a, it's not a must for a resume. There's nobody that, there's nobody that ever said, well, you can't dive unless you've been off. Well, there's people that said it, but it doesn't hold any fucking water. Well, you, you can't learn what you, what you learn in the diving industry unless you've been offshore. Really? Because I'm pretty sure there's no fucking dams offshore. And the entire population of $100,000 plus work on the West Coast revolves around hydro work. So tell me again about your big experience level with, with telling me what a VD and an HD is. Yeah, I don't care. I'm on a hydro job now. That's, that's stuff to take into account with, you know, it's, it's, it goes down the rabbit hole with where you end up in your career, how long you've been there. Uh, to Wes's point, I wouldn't, I wouldn't particularly worry about trying to master anything within a six, seven month time frame at dive school, except for diving. You know, if you want to, I, I don't, I'm not a proponent or I don't disavow anything that happens at dive school, mostly because I didn't, I didn't go to a civilian dive school too. I, I visit them enough times and I have friends that work within that industry where I don't think that if you're going to dive school full-time, that you're going to welding school full-time or that you're going to carpentry school full-time or electrician, or that you're going to be a bang out solid DMT when you come out of dive school. If I was in dive school, I would pay for the minimum part of the school that gives me an ADC card when I come out. That's what I would pay for if I could break it down to a minimum. I want to come out with the same card that the welder diver comes out with because you're going to learn that shit when you get out. You know, the only, the only time I need a DMT is when they tell me I need a DMT on the site. But it's not like I send that guy out there to only be the DMT. I send him out there because he also has a DMT. Like, I'm not, I'm not looking for the best DMT in the world because everybody's a DMT. They just don't all have the cert. It's the same thing with EMT or, or, or welders, for that matter, or whatever other, like, ancillary trade. We're, we have enough core group of guys within all these companies that are, let's say, on the West Coast where everybody's a welder. You know, some are good at it. Some are okay. Some are certified. But most nine out of ten people can make two pieces of steel stick. You know, it just depends if I need it certified or not. It depends if I have an inspector. But if I need a jig welded up to drop these all thread bolts in so they go in the right spot from here to here, you know, can you make something like that? Nobody's going to look at it. I don't care if we use it afterwards. Can you make it right now? Yeah, sure. I can make that. Nobody's inspecting it, right? You know, I, the, the, I was that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything extra that you, that you need to get out of school except to get out of school. You know, time, learn, learn whatever small part of your craft that you can in school and get your card. That's that's what I care about. I care about your physical, your card, your CPR, your Haswapper, especially mm-hmm. your 40-hour, because then I can mm-hmm. I can fit you into a, a two different uh, revenue streams. I can put you on the Enviro side and let you go out and run boom and put turbidity curtains up or survey a site. And then guess what? You're the guy out there doing Enviro. Now they want to salvage this fucking sea ray that's sitting at nowhere marina. 
oh, we got two divers out there right now. Run a boom. I just need to send two more out. You know, that's that's the stuff I would I would worry about. I I wouldn't just get out of dive school. You know, get out of there with a good name where none of the instructors think you're horrible. But I mean, it's a it's a six month trade school. Like, how perfect trade are you really going to be when you come out of it? I would hope that you would think you're going to learn the bulk of your your trade OJT and on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's I, I appreciate the information. That definitely. Is, is about what I was thinking. You just got to kind of adapt in the field. Yeah. And then get your foot in the door. Like Chad was saying, you know, global. Uh, and so this is global diving and salvage. There's a lot of global diving companies out there. You know, now we got what subsea global and then global mm-hmm. diving here and mm-hmm. global there, but this is global diving and salvage. They're unique because they do have an environmental side to it that uh, when there's no dive work, you know, they encourage you to go, you know, be a hand on some of these jobs. And, uh, yeah, so like I said, I took full advantage of that too, you know, uh, trying to get my DOT cert, you know, physical for all that. And, and, uh, that's what Chad's saying is that you got to make yourself available, you know? Yeah. You're a diver when you leave dive school, but you have to be willing to do other stuff that you didn't think that you were going to be doing. You kind of get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Got to get that foot in the door to be able to get to that dive job, you know? So speaking of feet in the door. Uh, Chad, would you mind if I had Waz and Buzz both contact you about me and uh, see if we can get something going? Absolutely. Since I'm about to graduate on May 6th. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I think we, we just picked up a guy that, that uh, Suave uh, uh, recommended. You know, another thing, too, for younger guys, with the, uh, you know, with the, the IT rage and the way the business is shifting, mm-hmm. gamers are a hot commodity right now because ROV is big. You know, guys that can understand joysticks and third person controls and you know this this weird riddling fucking <laughs> of, of watching the screen and watching other monitors <laughs> it's, it's moving that direction at a much faster pace than it was even 10 or 15 years ago oceaneering was i mean the pinnacle of, of rov work all over the world but now smaller rovs are taking over for massive inspections and they're they're kind of like the go-to first entry to see if there's differential pressure, if there's danger to divers, whatever the case may be. ROVs are making a huge play in the market right now, so much that Global has an independent ROV division. So that's another tick mark where you can fill in a spot as a diver or as an operator. Another thing to remember, too, is Global was recently purchased by MER, owned by Moran Towing. So now there's a widespread nation of global offices. They're, they have different names as you get closer out to the East Coast. Global's still an independent subsidiary. But basically, there's this parent company that owns Global. Global kept its name and its contracts. But there's a company in Kentucky. There's two companies uh, within the Carolinas. There's management companies between Boston and and uh, Jacksonville. We got we we had projects just recently in Tampa. We got another big one in Miami. We got Sat Jobs in Colorado. There's a project in Hawaii. I'm there's, ready to go, Johnny. I want that Sat Job in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> there's. You know, as you as you go down the rabbit holes with these companies, see what else they do too. You know, if you look at somebody like uh, like Power or or Vortex, you know those guys do a shit ton of topside marine construction. Like they're pulling pile books out of the union mm-hmm. left and right. 
Like there's, I was a foreman for Vortex as my last hitch. Yeah, with the uh, with Blaze and those guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't like Blaze. A little, a, a little. He fired me and then rehired me. Yeah, different, different honorary character to kind of work around, but they they get projects, and you know they've been neck and neck with us on again, and off again for the anode project for for the, for the tunnel, you know, for the uh, for the like these, these other these dive companies, some of them don't just dive; they have a bigger spectrum of stuff that you can harness within your trade. Hobbuck is a huge one; pays good money, a lot of work, and it's union oriented. So you get your benefits. That's what I'm saying, guys. You know, jump into the carpenters' union as as a pile driver. You know, that's what I did, and uh, you know that helped me so much. I tell you what, and they got a weld shop that you can go in there and weld on your off time and get really good at welding. For free. Get really good at burning for free. Yeah, That's part free. of your union membership. Yeah. They'll certify you for free. They oh. sent me to that dive training tank in Vegas to, to get my certs. And, and and that was amazing. That was I, that was fun. I, I forgot about that whole aspect, Armando, to or to bring up that these the, the biggest difference between that 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 south offshore or inland and east coast kind of diving industry compared to uh, the West Coast from Washington all the way down to San Diego and then Baltimore, uh, New York, and then a couple of places around the Great Lakes. These union affiliated regions, you can get all these qualifications that you're paying for in school for free. You can go into mm-hmm. the weld shop on your off time for as many times as you want and burn through as much rod as you want. And then when you tell the guy you're ready, he comes in and he certifies you. You get your 3G, your 4G. your every, And then they have a class that you sign up for and they fly you and board you out in Vegas. And then you go and get all your underwater 3-6 certs. And your hat technician certs. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you can get through the union. Again, just like Chad said earlier, you make your money work for you, you know. As a union member, you're paying your dues. You make them work for you because that's what you're there for. You guys are going to school. Make that school work for you, you know. Have them help you out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, you mentioned ask to be on, ask for a position that, that leads you up to the board on the union. Do they need an undersecretary? Do they need an undertreasurer? Do they need a do they need a logsman? Whatever that position may be. Get him, you know, if you're if you're giving the union money, that's supposedly supposed to go towards vestment and retirement or vacation or whatever your benefits package entails. Why not be on the board and be a guy that makes helps makes decisions or at least knows what the fuck's going on? You mm-hmm. know, when they're telling you about Article A that comes out in January, and it's two dollars for this, and you're like, I I just give them my twenty seven dollars every hour. No, man, go to the meetings. Yeah, and they feed you a lot of times too. But that's that's uh, that was pre-COVID, so some of the means are on Zoom. What uh, uh, yeah. are you guys drinking? Oh crap! I got some good stuff here. I got some uh, Four Roses single single barrel singer single barrel. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I don't. I don't I got there, Chad. I haven't. I haven't got anything that sophisticated, but I've got. Uh, Full throttle moonshine. What? There you go. Got some shine. You got some. Uh, you got some Maker's Mark in the back there. No, I, I was, I was at like a, a get together with the guys after a job or during a job. During. And I was like, oh, I'll have, I'll have some Maker's, and we, and I drank Maker's all night till 
probably more than I And for some reason, that established in my guy's mind that I love Maker's Mark. And that's like what I got for Christmas presents or kids' birthdays. I got more I got more Maker's Mark than I could ever drink. <laughs> you don't even drink it. Set it my way then. That's I got two bottles of uh, Woodford Reserve Double Oak that I left back Ooh. in Jacksonville, and I'm missing them right now. So, <laughs> Woodford. One of the uh, one of the subcontractors we had for FlexiFlow barges. When we were done with the job, he sent a case of Pendleton over. Nice. Yeah, nice. I, I never had it before. It's really good. All right, guys. Well, we're gonna go ahead and uh, wrap things up. Uh, Chad, if you want to stick around, that'd be great. Um, gonna get rid of the students hey and uh you students over there you know follow the bottom dollars follow poor town divers let us know how your careers are going yes you know Most after, school, updates. after school we want updates thanks for the chance to talk to you guys i appreciate it uh uh congratulations on your, your path in the industry and uh, uh i hope uh, i hope you do well and i hope you stay safe and you mm-hmm. you, you, you get through these these years in your in your diving career with uh, flying colors, and, and there's I'm always just an email away. You know, feel free. This was a great podcast. Thank you so much. All right, appreciate you guys setting this back up. Seriously, this has been fantastic. Thank you. Nice, yeah. man. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. We're gonna do more of this too. Yeah, we're gonna do more of this too. Definitely. Whatever. Right on. Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, for coming on to the Bomb Dollars Dive Shack on this special uh, special live episode here at the Long Beach Rod and Gun Club. We'd like to thank the Long Beach Rod and Gun Club for opening up for us. You're welcome. And uh, hopefully, uh, again, we can do this again. And uh, thanks, thanks, Chad, for for coming on the show. It's amazing. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Bottom Dollars Dive Shack. Make sure you like and follow on our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook. Please share this podcast with your friends or anyone interested in commercial diving. The only way that uh, we can make this successful is if we do get a lot of people that are listening. We get more listeners, we get more sponsors, and that means more free stuff for you guys. That's right. We are hooking up all of our diver brothers and sisters in the trade. And uh, if you keep sharing and liking, we're able to do that a lot more. Our Instagram is at BottomDwellersDS. Our Facebook is BottomDwellersDiveShack. And you can always like and follow me at LB Diver on both. The Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack is available on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Anchor. We also have it streaming on our website at thebottomdwellers.com. So keep listening. Keep it safe. Keep it salty. This is LB Diver. Out. Out.